Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, June 12, 2022. We've got another great show for you this week as members of the media, academia, and financial services are standing by to analyze all the news and events for the week. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. happening on Capitol Hill, legislatively, regulatorily, and from a litigation perspective, joining us on the line, he's one half of the Legal Eagles, Mr. Kevin Walsh. He's a principal with Groom Law Group, an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us this week. Good morning, Jeff, and good morning, listeners. It's uh, it's always good to, to be on the program. You know, this week, I think we're going to hit on legislation a bit because there's been a lot of activity in D.C. in the past week, and we're expecting more activity in the upcoming week. All right, Kevin. So I was going to actually greet you this morning by saying rise and shine, but there's actually a uh, a markup of the rise and shine bill schedule. There is. There is. So I, I think one of the things that's exciting is that retirement legislation has an opportunity to move forward. Um, you know, it's been a couple of years since, since retirement legislation passed, um, and we know from earlier this year, we've talked about it a number of times, that Secure 2.0 passed the House earlier this year. Now, the Senate's working on companion legislation, which can be merged with Secure 2.0 uh, to make a, a you know a final bill. And mm-hmm. the version that the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee is working on, they've called Rise and Shine. Now, I'm not going to – it's an acronym. I'm not going to read out what the acronym is. Um, <laughs> but they've scheduled a markup for June 14th. Um, to, you know, to to pass the bill out of committee, uh, and that's a key step because you know in committee they can they can amend it, uh, but once it's gotten past committee, um, then it's eligible for consideration really on the Senate floor. So, you know, next week represents a big step, assuming it gets out of committee, and you know all indications are that rise and shine will move forward. And Kevin, this markup, if someone wanted to watch it, is this something that you would find on C-SPAN or streaming, or is it something that's kind of done behind the scenes? How does it usually get illustrated? So if you if you go to the committee website, I believe you can pull up the markup and you can watch it uh, in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, so committee markups can be somewhat interesting. On the other hand, you know, they're, they're not always the most exciting things on earth. Uh, typically what will happen is the, the chair, and that will be Senator Murray, We'll make an opening statement um, and then, you know, they'll go back and forth down in terms of rank where you know, each member will have an opportunity to speak briefly on the bill. Um, amendments are typically submitted in advance, although if a member really wanted to, they could offer an amendment that hadn't been pre-vetted with with the, the senator's staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately they'll vote on the amendments and then vote on the on the bill itself. Um, you know, typically these take a while. Um, You'd think, you know, you're, you're going to get in. This bill's been circulating for weeks. Really, this would be, you know, 10, 15 minutes, get in, get out. Um, but the process is more designed to give senators an opportunity to speak. Um, and 
you know, as we know, senators can be great, but one thing they're really good at uh, is speaking. And so these, these can take a little bit longer than than one would expect. You think? I think that's I think yeah, that's I've a watched them before. Yeah, I mean, I think they 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 I haven't seen one senator or one congressperson who was not a good speaker. I mean, they have they all have their, like their little little hiccups and things like that. But, yeah, they can do that pretty well. I mean, what is the last question here? And then we can move on to our next topic. But what's the time frame that they're allowed to speak? Is each member allowed five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes? Do you, do you recall procedurally? Um, well, so I think it comes down to what the what the committee agrees to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd expect in this one that, you know, they'll all be granted five, 10 minutes, five or 10 minutes to speak about it. If someone wants to speak for more than that, uh, typically, if you just wait, you'll get a second turn after everyone has spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't think it'll be an issue in terms of how long um, folks want to speak or are able to speak for next yeah. week. Well, we'll certainly be interested in what happens, and then we'll be kind of catching back up with you and David to see if there's any earth-shattering amendments or things that happen as a result of the markup. Kevin, let's switch gears because you and David have talked about Assistant Secretary of the Employee Benefits Security Administration. There's a confirmation process. This person is selected by the president, has to go through the Senate. You've got some news there. Yeah, so I think one thing that seemed pretty exciting was that um, uh, Lisa Gomez, the individual who's been nominated to run the Employee Benefits Security Administration, which is the agency that regulates ERISA and regulates retirement plans, 401k plans, et cetera, um, you know, was getting her Senate floor vote. And, and what that means is that about a week ago, uh, the Senate voted on cloture, which is to end debate um, on her nomination. And that succeeded um, with a vote of 47 to 46. So, you know, it seemed as though uh, whoever was in charge of counting the votes in uh, Majority Leader Schumer's office, you know, had really, you know, dialed in and done a great job because, you know, if you've got less than 50, sometimes that can raise red flags that, you know, if everybody shows up, do you really have the votes? Um, and then, you know, this past week, um, the Senate moved for kind of the, the final vote on confirmation. And in a final vote for confirmation, all you need to do is have a, a simple majority, um, which is, you know, 51 votes in the Senate or, you know, just more than the number of people who show up and vote the other way. Um, a tie vote fails unless a tie is broken um, by the vice president. And, you know, here you'd think, you know, the vice president, if there's a tie, will break the tie, you know, in favor of, of the nominee because, you know, it's, it's President Biden who proposed the nominee, who nominated the individual. So, you know, clearly you'd think that um, Vice President Harris, as part of the same team, would break the tie in favor of the nominee. Um, well, you know, they scheduled the vote for a day where uh, Vice President Harris was in Los Angeles speaking at a at an event. And, you know, when they got to the Senate floor and the votes were counted, um, the, the, the final vote looked like it was going to be 50 50 uh, with no Republicans voting to confirm um, basically all the Democrats voting to confirm. And that would have been a failed vote and would have doomed her nomination. So there's a, a tool which is if you're a senator and you lose a vote, um, and you are on the winning side of a vote, but you think you would rather go back and redo the vote, then you can do a motion for reconsideration and essentially say, you know, I want to reconsider what the way I voted. I won that vote, but can we go back and redo it? Um, because, you know, things might be different. So what ended up happening was 
uh, Majority Leader Schumer switched his vote from being a yes in favor of confirmation to being a no against confirmation, um, meaning that you know the vote failed this week uh, by a vote of 51 senators voting against confirmation and 49 senators voting for confirmation. Uh, but immediately afterwards, Senator Schumer filed a motion for reconsideration, which will likely be heard sometime either later this month or during the first half of next month. Um, and we would presume that'll be on a day when uh, Vice President Harris is in town um, because, you know, without having Vice President Harris around, it, it looks like it's going to be difficult uh, to confirm um, yeah. Ms. Gomez as, as the Assistant Secretary. Sorry to jump on you, Kevin. Uh, just a, a question. Um, does this mean that there obviously is a lot of things that the EBSA does? Is the EBSA rudderless in terms of some of its priorities or is there an acting secretary? How to, so just to give I was going to say fans, just to give the audience, they may be fans, but they, just to give the audience um, a sense for what what's happening now. Uh, things are getting done at the EBSA at the Department of Labor. Mm -hmm. So EBSA is currently headed by, you know, they, they have career leadership, uh, which is, you know, there's there are these folks who who, you know, stay at the agency administration and administration out. Um, and also they've got a deputy assistant secretary, which is it's a, a political role to oversee the department, but it doesn't require Senate confirmation. Um, and, you know, shortly after President Biden took office, uh, he appointed Ali Kawar um, to serve as the deputy assistant secretary. And un until uh, Lisa Gomez or someone else is confirmed, um, Deputy Assistant Secretary Kawar is the acting head of the agency and is able to essentially do anything that the, the Assistant Secretary would be able to do herself. Mm. Well, I guess we'll have to uh, – we're going to have a lot of updates next week. Well, I guess we'll talk about Rise and Shine, and hopefully the following month uh, the this will be back on the docket for consideration by the Senate – Kevin, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us. Give our best to David Levine, and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon, my friend. Sounds good. Thanks, Jeff, and thank you, listeners. Have a great Bye. weekend. Bye, Kev. Bye. Bye. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you got to start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're going to change the way you think about money.
Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you over 50? Would you like to get up to 33% more income in retirement? Then call now for this free book, Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers. This free book reveals little-known secrets about annuity strategies that will help you make the right choices before buying an annuity. Call right now for your free book. And as a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report, both absolutely free, for calling Annuity General today. Call 800-504-8194. Welcome back. And now we're going to talk technology, consumer products, and a lot more. In fact, we're going to focus today on streaming. Joining us on the line, he is the managing editor for thestreet.com, Daniel Klein. Dan, so great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Good morning, Jeff. Happy to be here. Before we get into Netflix, Roku, a possible marriage acquisition, thoughts on Kenobi? Um, so I've only seen the first three episodes. Had to watch the Rangers lose painfully last night. Um, as a dedicated Star Wars fan, I like that it's filling in the dots for me, mm-hmm. but the story itself, I don't love. I think, I think uh, Kenobi, is, he's giving a wonderful uh, performance. Like, I think it, it, it's added a lot of depth to the character. They haven't really explained the age gap uh, you know, in, in A New Hope. Everyone says he's old, but he doesn't look old at all, so that's, that's a little problematic. Yeah. It's very well done graphically. I mean, I don't think we've ever seen television look like this. But I'm hoping the story picks up in the second half of the run. Yeah, well, let's see what happens. We'll check back in with you next week on that. All right, Dan, we have spent a lot of time talking with you over the last couple of years about streaming. It's very popular. And a lot of us have cut the cord. Many Americans have cut the cord. Um, they're using Roku and Amazon and Google and all these different devices. Uh, most recently, you and I um, have talked about Netflix and, and the fact that They've had some layoffs, and they've also had a decline in subscribers. Maybe that's just because you can't – there's no more subscribers to gather, right? So people are kind of moving around, and also they're trying to figure out what streaming services they want. But there's a rumor on the street, uh, pun intended, um, about an acquisition around Roku being acquired by Netflix. I want to get your thoughts about what does this mean in general for streaming and then the actual potential transaction. Well, it's challenging for streaming because one of the nice things about Roku is that they're content agnostic. So when they make a deal with Disney Plus, with Peacock, with HBO, whoever it is, you're not competing with Roku-owned content. You know, they're going to produce a little bit of sort of like very, very secondary content, but they're not producing big budget series and movies and things like all these other people do. So you can sort of feel good doing business with them. If Netflix owns Roku, this becomes a pretty big deal because, sure, Amazon produces its own content. But as much as I like some of the Amazon Prime shows, it's a handful of shows. It's not this massive content that can sort of drown you out. Mm-hmm. So if I was Disney and I could you know, give a better deal to, to Amazon or to Google or even to Apple to, Apple to be you know, more featured on their devices, I think I would do that. Now, on the other hand... If you're Netflix and you pick up this this base, which is like somewhere in the 40% of all streaming devices, I'm, I might be getting that number a little wrong, but it's right around there. All of a sudden, you do have a platform you can promote your shows. And the biggest challenge with Netflix, and we've talked about this many times, 
is you kind of don't know what exists. And even when something exists, you're not really sure when you're supposed to watch it because they put it out all at once or mm-hmm. sometimes they split it into two seasons. You know, there's a new Stranger Things out right now. And I don't know, am I supposed to watch it? I didn't watch any of the other ones, so I guess I won't. But if that's <laughs> the featured programming on my Roku player, there's a better chance I'm going to see it. Even like uh, season three of The Boys is out, and I, which is an Amazon property. And I love seasons one and two, but they had to do an awful lot of advertising to let me know that was happening. Um, and this would take some of that away. So on one level, I think it's a bad idea for, for Roku. But if Netflix's goal is to sort of not so much worry about the Roku business and really worry about getting its own shows out there, especially with their sort of dual mandate of let's produce fewer shows, uh, I think this could work. Do I think it's actually going to happen? Mm, really tough time to be making an acquisition when your stock is down. I mean, obviously Roku's stock is, is way down too. Um, so I think it's still kind of a long shot. And I'd rather see like, and this will not happen. I would rather see like a Sony or another like hardware player, Microsoft even, which uh, federal regulators would never allow. But I'd love to see Microsoft own Roku because they're not in the content game. Dan, and also Roku is ad supported typically, right? So there's there's ads running. Netflix doesn't really have a ad supported, uh, to the best of my knowledge, and it's 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 supported through membership. And you know, I believe Am- I believe they're I believe they're going to though. There's right. a lot of talk about Netflix adding, and obviously that's technology and structure and relationships that Roku would add. Absolutely. That being said. Netflix adding programmatic advertising. We've talked about this before, Jeff. I, uh, I often watch uh, the DC shows on the CW, and I watch them on the free CW app, which between every segment shows you two minutes of ads. I don't mind two minutes of ads, but it's always the same ad for all. It'll repeat four times in the two minutes, and, and you'll see it like 16 times a show. It's not like programmatic is being done so well that Netflix really needs Roku to come in there. But it would jumpstart it. It would help it. I could see the benefit. There is a lot of money to be made there. And I do think, like right now, you're seeing your Pluto TVs, your, your sort of garbage collections of TV doing really well with that. I think we're going to move into a world where someone doesn't want to be advertising on a rerun of Manimal that, that you know, 17 people are watching. They would much rather be like the pre-roll before a, an episode of The Boys or an episode of Foundation or or whatever it might be. So there's a real premium inventory at Netflix that I think would do very, very well in that market, which could be more targeted advertising rather than this just sort of random, you're watching this vague category, here's this broad ad. Well, I have to say, you brought up Manimal, and I am a big fan of the 80s program, especially Glenn A. Larson, and I think he was the executive producer on Manimal. I think it was kind of the takeoff of The the Incredible Hulk. Dan, uh, (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, as I segue, I have a really good friend back home in Baltimore who loves the A-Team, Knight Rider, and I'm always getting texts from him on uh, some of those old clips. <laughs> don't don't go, forget about Airwolf. I think oh, watch. I just watched that. I just watched – oh, Dan, Dan. I mean that is a great show. Jan Michael Vincent, may rest in peace, and, and uh, Ernest Borgnine, fabulous in that show. I like that show. But um, Dan, uh, I guess last question. You had talked about – younger generation, you know, you're like your son viewing content through phones, tablets, et cetera. The, the, the hardware play is the hardware play really for people of our demo, but maybe the younger generation are, they're not going to, they probably don't use Roku or Amazon fire sticks, et cetera. 
Or do they? I mean, it's probably a hodgepodge, right? They they will eventually. When they have kids, you're not all going to gather around an iPhone. You're going to watch television. Well, that's true. I mean, I, I mean, so you think that you think the family familial unit will still they won't be sitting on the couch next to each other with their own devices. No, I think eventually this is going to move into a world where, you know, it just doesn't make sense that you'd watch like a 12 inch device with your, your wife and your kids. You're eventually going to, you know, go get your 80 inch television or by then your 300 inch television and you're going to tune in and watch it with people. That being said, you know, you don't make any money on devices. So I think that's absolutely an issue. Um, but going forward, you know, Roku is all about getting that device so they could monetize in other ways. I don't see this deal happening, but there's a lot of momentum behind it. Dan, just last, I guess, second to last, second last question is, how do we monitor? How can people who are listening to the program, obviously they can go to the street.com, but where would you look to source What's going to happen? Is it just like the street, Wall Street Journal, you know, some of the major periodicals or where would you go to kind of hear what's happening? I I mean, you know, it's, it's of course us, but also, uh, you know, the people out of GeekWire, Cord Cutters News, there's lots of websites directly involved to this, but this isn't a deal that will happen quietly. This isn't, you know, Netflix is picking up, you know, some technical company that might help them with the play button. This would be a giant, giant deal. So you'll probably hear it on the Today Show. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about being able to follow this one. All right. Well, Dan, uh, we'll check it back in with you next week around Kenobi. Really interested in your feedback. I'm a big Ben Kenobi fan. Alec Guinness, Bridge Over the River Kwai. That was an amazing movie. He is sorely missed, and and those of his generation, those were great actors. Dan Klein, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon, my friend. I'll see you soon. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, bud. Bye-bye. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest? Someone you think we should talk to? Drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news in lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, visit our website. That's www.broadcastretirementnetwork.com. And, of course, our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow with BRNAM. I'll be joined by a very special guest. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes.